you for joining us today for the Central Word, a podcast ministry of Central Baptist Church, Texarkana, Arkansas. Today's message is from Brother Mike Sylvie, who this past Sunday was voted to become our new pastor, and he has accepted that call. So this message is uh, from Sunday the, the 12th, and uh, it is his last message in view of a call. His next message to us will be as our pastor on next Sunday the 19th. So as you listen to this, know that this is a message from our new pastor, Brother Mike Sylvie. He is preaching in this message from Romans chapter 8. Good morning, everyone. So good to see you today. I want to thank you on behalf of myself and Lori for your kindness and your hospitality to us over these last two weeks. A process like this, to be honest with you, is pretty nerve-wracking and uh, stressful, but uh, you have made it easier, and it has been an absolute joy to stand before you and to preach God's Word and to do all the other things that uh, you put me through. But I understand the process. We have to go through that because um, we all want the Lord's will and we need some information and facts and figures and information just to pray about and get the Lord's leading on. And I'll be praying for you today because I know you'll be praying for me. And I pray that uh, the Lord make it clear to all of us what his will is. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. The message today is confidence out of this world. From Romans chapter 8, we'll look at verses 31 through 39. These verses speak to us words of confidence. There are several for us statements in these verses that uh, are encouraging words to us and shows us the Christian's confidence. A hundred years ago, there was a man who lived in France who was a uh, man of confidence. He, He was a study in human confidence. His name was George... Clemenceau, he actually was the man who was the Prime Minister of France uh, during World War One, and then led the country in the pivotal days after that. And he lived uh, in, a, in a place in the world at a time when uh, if you had a disagreement, a uh, gentleman would go out and settle it in a duel. And he fought several duels in his, uh, his, in his life and his uh, career. And on one occasion, he was on his way to fighting a rival in a duel, and he requested a one-way ticket to the duel. His friend asked, aren't you being a little pessimistic? And Clemenceau replied, I always use my my opponent's uh, return ticket for my ride home. (laughs) Kind of sounds like some of the things that's going to go flying around the room at the chili cook-off around here, maybe. <laughs> he was an amazing man of great confidence. But as, as great of an example as that is, his confidence really is not a picture of the greatest kind of confidence. Because his confidence was in himself. Clemenceau was an atheist. And he eventually, even though he conquered everybody else and all the duels he was in, He finally met an opponent he could not conquer. 
For November of 1929, uh, George Clemenceau died. And his confidence was only in himself. He met a, a rival he could not gain victory over. But the Christian's confidence is in the Lord. Your confidence, my confidence is greater than any human confidence because our confidence is in the Lord, the one who has conquered death, the one who has made heaven and earth, the one who, whose kingdom will come one day and the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. He will win this battle we call life. And our confidence is in him. And so today I want to remind us of this great confidence we have, our confidence we can call blessed assurance. And it is confidence out of this world. It doesn't come from ourselves. It doesn't come from this world. It comes from heaven. It comes from the Lord of heaven. And it is the greatest confidence that anyone could have. Christianity is a blessed assurance faith. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. An heir of salvation, a purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. This is the Christian's confidence. And it's laid out for us here in these verses 31 through 39. There are three for us blessed assurance statements that I want to call your attention to which is the ground of our confidence. If you're struggling today, if, if life's doing a number on you and you just don't feel like you're measuring up and you just feel like you don't have anything to give, I pray God's Word will minister to you today and through His Spirit that confidence will be poured into your life and you'll stand on God's grace because He wants you to stand and He can make us stand. Verse 31 is the first for us statement. And it is simply this, that the God who gives life is for us. Verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So the God of life, the God who gives life, life, physical life, Abundant life, eternal life, all forms of life. This God, he's for you. That's what that verse says. And if the God who gives life is for you, then what can be against you? In other words, what can come and take that life away from you? Nothing. Now, but these things that are mentioned here in verse 31 are the things that he's wrote, written about prior to this. The Apostle Paul authored the, the book of Romans Inspired by the Holy Spirit, God's words, not man's words, truth that is given to us. And Romans chapter 8 really is kind of the pinnacle point of this mountain of truth we call the book of Romans. And Romans chapter 8 kind of summarizes everything he said up to this point. And th that's the these things that he refers to here. And so the, these things tell us how the God of life brings us life. And the first way he does this is by conquering our sin. Romans chapter 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Our sin has been conquered. Have you ever been in the courtroom and someone's standing before a judge and it's not going well and they are pronounced guilty 
and they're condemned. I've been in a courtroom like that. Now, I wasn't on trial. Just clear, clarify the facts. <laughs> but my friend was, and I'd gone there to support him. And he was in the wrong. He admitted it, but the judge, he threw the book at him. And it was nothing but condemnation. And I felt so bad for my friend. The Bible says all of us will stand before God ourselves one day. And we'll stand before him and give an account of our life. How are we going to feel about that? Because we all have sin that condemns us. But here's our confidence. Our confidence is that all of our sin was laid at the foot of the cross. At Jesus' cross. And he paid for it. He conquered it. And now there's no condemnation. It's all over. It's all paid for. This is our confidence that we stand on the ground that Christ has purchased for us. And there is now no condemnation. We are freed from the condemnation of our sin. That's the first thing that Romans chapter 8 shows us. And then the second thing, he, he, the Lord gives us life through creating a new heart. There's no condemnation for those who, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. We have a new life. We have a new spirit in which God's spirit dwells. We call that a new heart. And there's freedom, not condemnation with this. We have a new heart through which we can now know God and live for him. Verse 2 says there's freedom. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So if you're struggling with some sin in your life, you need to come to Christ. You need to come to his cross. There you can find freedom from your sin. For the first time, as you come to him and confess the life of your sin, all the sin in your life, every sin you'll commit in the future, you lay it all at Christ's cross, and he pays for it all. And you go free. And now you're free not just to do what you want, but to do what you ought. You can now live a holy life, a righteous life, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what he's talking about. These are the these things that he's talking about. This is our confidence. God not only conquers our sin and creates a new heart, but the rest of the middle of the chapter talks about how he carries us through life. He empowers us through his Holy Spirit. He leads us through his Holy Spirit. And these verses also talk about how he helps us, even in our prayer life, to get to God's will. The Holy Spirit carries us through life. That's our confidence. God, the God of life, is giving us life. Through his grace and through his Holy Spirit. And then the chapter comes to the point in verse 29 where it says that he conforms us to his image. All those that he knows are conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So this is the these things of Romans chapter 8 really that represents the whole book. The God of life is for us. He's for you. And if you'll come to him, he'll give you confidence that is out of this world. Because when you look at everything, our sin really is our biggest problem. You know, sometimes it's life. It's everything that creeps into us that kind of does a number on us and steals our confidence. But really, it's our sin. It's what's going on inside of us that's our biggest problem. 
The biggest problem I have, the person I have the biggest problem with is the person I look at in the mirror every morning. And if Christ will conquer my sin and fill me with the Holy Spirit and make me new and carry me through this life and then on top of all of that, not leave me the way I was but conform me to the very image, the perfect image of himself, then I've just lost a lot of worries that I have to deal with. Blessed assurance. If God be for us, who or what can be against us? So we need to go through life with this kind of confidence. This is how the living God's changing the world. He's changing hearts. He's changing minds and bodies. And he's changing the world and creation itself. Romans chapter 8 talks about that. And he's doing it in that order. War that's war and chaos that's erupting across our world does not mean that God's out of, has lost control. It simply means that there are some hearts, there are some lives, there are some parts of the world that he has not changed yet. But he's on his way. And he's before he's done, he's going to change everything in this world. And not everybody's going to be saved, but he is going to change everything in this world. In that we can be confident. Young people... And I, and I know you, you hear this a lot in school and out in the world. You, 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 you're, you're made to worry because you're told that the, we're destroying the world. We're destroying the earth. And you're made to believe that you've got to do your part to help save the earth. Have you heard that at school? I know you have. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to take care of the earth and be a good steward of what God's given us. As Christians, we ought to be good stewards. If anybody is, we ought to be. There's nothing wrong with recycling and picking up trash and making sure that you're the best kind of citizen you can be. But listen, kids, God is not looking to you to save this world. He's going to do that himself. And nothing that we can do can overcome his power to ruin this world apart from his will. And so, yes, we need to be conscientious, but we need to be confident, not worried, not all stressed out because we think we're destroying the earth. This earth will remain, the Bible says, it's upheld by the word of his power until God's through with it, and then he's going to remake it. He's going to recycle the earth one day, and he's going to make it even better than it's ever been. That's our confidence. So we can trust him and know he's in control. He's changing hearts. He's changing lives. He one day will change all bodies. Amen to that. And he's going to change everything in the world. If God be for us, who can be against us? So the God of life is for us. That's the first statement. The second is that the Lord of love is for us. Look at verses 32 through 34. It speaks of the, the Lord's love, Christ's love for us. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us, all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. Furthermore, is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So there's some more for us statements. And it's about the love of Christ that's poured out into our life. Christ is the one who can love more than anybody else, and he loves you. 
The one who loves the most loves you the most. See, that's the confident statement that's being made here. He's for you. He is pouring out his love into your life to do things for you, for us. And his love makes the difference. Verse 34 shows us four expressions of his love. This great love, all loves excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. Number one, we see love dying. Christ died, verse 34 says, and he died for all of our sins. That's why the question is given here, who shall bring a charge against God's elect or who shall condemn Christ's death pays for all sin. All of sin, Christ died for all, all sin is paid for. That doesn't mean everybody goes to heaven. That means that the way is open now for everybody to go to heaven. And if you repent and trust in Christ alone, then John 3.16 says, you'll not perish, but you'll have everlasting life. So we see here love dying. Christ died for the sins that could be laid at our charge. He paid the debt, and that's why the saved here are called the elect. The word elect means chosen ones. Election is a Bible doctrine, and we ought to believe it, but we ought to believe what the Bible says about it. Election was something done in eternity past, and... We need to understand what God says in his word about it and just believe that and leave all the other questions that we don't have answers to with the Lord. But the Bible here says very clearly that the elect are those that were chosen instead of Christ. It says God did not choose his son to be first, but he chose us. But he spared his son. And the Son willingly accept the sacrifice. He also chose to put us in front of Him. He died in our place and allowed us to go free. That decision was made before anything was created. That's what's so amazing about it. The Bible says that before the foundation of the world, Christ was the Lamb of God slain. He and the Father, and the Holy Spirit as well, made that decision. That he would love us enough that before he ever even made us, and he knew that we would sin, that he would do what it took to bring us to himself. What love that is. This is love that dies, that pays the ultimate price for us. This is confidence out of this world. Love not only dies, but love, verse 34 says, rises. Christ didn't stay in the grave. He arose through the resurrection. And without the resurrection, we would have escaped hell. We would not have gone to hell and, and paid for our sins for eternity. That's what the cross did for us. But the resurrection brought us up out of the grave. Without the resurrection, we would have missed hell, but we would have stayed in the grave. And so Christ loved us so much that he took on human flesh and then he took it back and he arose from the grave so that we too could rise one day and live forever. See, love not only pays, but love blesses. Love not only pays the bill, but love provides a blessing that will last 
for all of eternity. This is our confidence. Jesus loves us more than anyone else. And someone who loves us that much, as these verses say, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Now, that doesn't mean that you can go down and expect to have a Cadillac or an SUV of your choice or that great late new truck that's coming out. doesn't mean you can just name it and claim it and get whatever you want. No, God loves you more than that. God will keep some things from you because he knows it will ruin you. And you can't handle it. And so love gives what is needed and what blesses the most. And he'll work in your life. If he rose from the grave, died for you, rose from the grave, don't you think he'll help you with the problem you're facing this coming Thursday? Surely he will. This is our confidence. That whatever we face in life, whatever we're struggling with, love is going to be there for us. And love is there for us in the way that we need most. In the most perfect way. And this is why this, these statements are so filled with confidence for us. Is that the Lord will be for us and help us in our struggles. We not only see love dying and love rising, but we see love defending. Verse 34 says he is even at the right hand of God. He's there to represent you and me. That's where he is right now. And 1 John 2.1 says that if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That word advocate is the word paraclete. I'm sure you've heard that word. That word means one who's called alongside of. And in 1 John 2.1, it, it's applied to Jesus. And in that sense, he is our public defender. He is in heaven at the right hand of the Father. And every time you and I sin, and we still do, He's there to speak to it. He's there to defend us. He's there to say, my blood covers that sin. He defends us in heaven. But the Bible also calls the Holy Spirit the one called alongside, right? In John's Gospel, he is also called the paraclete. So down here, the Holy Spirit is with us, right here with us, defending us. So we're covered there and we're covered here. We're covered on every side. We're defended by the everlasting love of the Lord. That's our confidence. Love defends. And then finally verse 34 says, Love intercedes. Jesus also is interceding, making intercession. There it is again, for us. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 says that he ever lives to make intercession for those who come to God through him. So Jesus is always there day and night at the throne of God praying for you and me. Now that's a thought that boggles our brains. That he's always there. And he's always praying. How can he always pray and do everything else? Hold the universe up and keep everything? He's Jesus. He can do it. And he does all things well. At any moment, 24 hours a day, you have a need. His love kicks into action. And it does everything you need. And even when you're not praying, he's praying. And he's interceding. This 
love dying, love rising, defending, interceding. This is what Romans is calling our attention to as the great confidence that you and I have. He's for us. He's not going to leave us. The God of life is for us. The Lord of love is for us. And then the third point, and this, this is the one that maybe we overlook many times and we, we don't realize. But this text also says that the problems that make for long days are also for us. Look at what it says in verse 35 to the end of the chapter. Who shall separate or what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So problems, life's problems that kill us, that make for a long day, a long life. These verses say even those are for us. And you say, I don't believe that. We don't feel that. It doesn't feel that way, does it? We're in the middle of a life tragedy. It doesn't feel like things are working for us, does it? But Paul is making a, a statement of truth here. He's saying that the God of life, the God of love, so works things. He turns everything around so that now all things, the good and the bad and the ugly, they all work together for our good. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, right above us. And so these problems that kill us and that verse is a quote from the Old Testament in Psalms. Someone said that God's truth or the Bible speaks to us, but the Psalms particularly, they speak for us. The Psalms can relay our heart cry. And from the Psalms we have this, this quote that we've got problems that seem like they kill us all day long. Can you relate to that? We say that, don't we? It's killing me. <laughs> We say, you're killing me. And, and that's what this verse means. It doesn't mean that there are godly people dying all day long. It means that problems are killing us all day long. And we're in the middle of those and we think, all these are against us. Lord, I just need a break. The truth says, no, these are for us. Because God can turn things around. This is the great truth here in Romans chapter 8. Is that Trial and tribulation and pain and suffering and even loss, these things cause us to trust Him more. They cause us to pray to Him more. They cause us to be more conformed to His image. And in that sense, they're for us. They're working in our life to make us more of who we need to be. And, and these verses teach us when it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall all these bad things? Paul's saying, that in times of trouble, when we feel like we're left alone and we're being abandoned, just the opposite's happening. That in those times of trouble, instead of holding back His love, God's doing the very opposite. He's pouring out a greater manifestation of His love. We're not being separated from His love. We're being immersed in it. 
even in days of darkness, that we don't hear God's voice. God's there with us. Just like the disciples on that boat in the middle of the night when Jesus came walking on the water. He was there with them. They didn't realize it. The Lord works through our suffering. There are several truths about suffering that we see here. When God allows suffering, He doesn't withhold His love. He increases the realization of it. Suffering is God's pathway to the greater blessing. If we suffer with Him, verse 17 says of this chapter, we'll be glorified together with Him. And the bottom line to all this is a life marked with suffering that you and I know so well is really the pathway to the greatest blessing. It leads us to a greater understanding and experience of all the good things that God gives us and he wants to bring into our life. It doesn't feel that way, but all of life's problems are for us. Some of our suffering comes from the sin that we cause. Some of the suffering and trouble comes from what the evil one causes. But all of it God takes and he allows and he uses in your life and my life to make us better and stronger. And there's our confidence. As Paul says here, we become like super conquerors. You know what superheroes have that mere mortals don't have? They've got certain powers, don't they? they got things they can see, things they can hear, things they can do. Bullets bounce off of them. They're a superhero, right? And Paul uses this concept in verse 37, this more than conqueror's phrase. It's really one word in the original, and it means super conqueror. So that you as a Christian going through all of life's issues that God allows in your life, he's making you a super conqueror. Bullets will bounce off of you. You're able to see things that other people can't see. You're able to do things that mere mortals can't do. You begin to have a confidence that's out of this world. It only comes from heaven. You become like Christ. And God knows that only through allowing the suffering can that be fully accomplished. That's why Paul ends this section by saying, God knows it's got to be this way, and and I'm persuaded that nothing's going to change his mind about this. Nothing's going to change his plan about this. This is the way it works. He says, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, depth nor any other created creature shall be able to separate us from this kind of plan, this loving plan that God has for our life which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's making us something greater than ourselves. All these things are for us. So sometimes it's just life that we struggle with does a number on us, but the God lies for us. Sometimes it's strife and it's emptiness and problems with others, but the, the Lord of love is with us and for us and overcomes that. And then sometimes it's our trials, it's our troubles, it's our struggles, 
seem to zap all the energy out of us. But it's then that we find that underneath are the everlasting arms and he carries us through and he does a transform, transforming work in our lives that, that only he can do and all these things are for us. It kind of reminds me of the caterpillar and the butterfly. I read years ago that um, the butterfly, once it comes out of that cocoon and it's transformed to fly, that many of the species only live an average of about 30 days. So when you see those little things flying around in the summer, wish him well because he doesn't have long. About two-thirds of its life, it spends in trouble. First part of its life, it's a little worm, an ugly worm that crawls along the ground, <laughs> eating dirt. And then it goes into that cocoon, and the struggle gets intensified. And it's in that cocoon for about two weeks on average. And it struggles to get out. It seems like it can't get out. It's just bound so tight, constricted. You wrap some of us up like that for two weeks, we're going to die. <laughs> that little bitty insect, it, it's struggling, and it's struggling to get out. And the biologists tell us that in the struggle to get out, fluid goes from the, the body of the creature to its wings. The wings are developed. The wings are strengthened. There comes a day when it's set free and it flies. Without the trouble, it can never fly. That's the way God's made it to work. In your life and my life. One day we're going to fly. God's for us. And we have a confidence that the world doesn't know anything about. We have a confidence that overcomes everything that comes our way. We have a confidence that will last forever. It is confidence out of this world. And I pray you know that confidence as you know the Lord today. As we bow our heads, I want to ask you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Central Word. Our prayer is that this message will encourage you in your walk with Christ as we dive into God's Word each and every week. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you in the week to come.